0: Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit Sozosmtx.com. We have a participatory faith. You know, all right, Natalie was preaching. She was doing good, wasn't she? I mean, God initiates, He gives we participate. We get to receive, participate, and join him in what he's doing. How I many of you know that's really our faith? That's the deal. And so I'm excited about today. <clears throat> How many of you noticed the big water baptism trough out there when you came in? Isn't that great? We're gonna do baptisms here. We get to participate with God. Some of you guys are gonna be baptized. Some of you might realize you need to be baptized this morning, and the water is fine. So get ready, it's gonna be good. We also, and when you came in, you should have received one of these little cops. We get to participate at the Lord's table and the Lord's supper today. And that'll come in a little bit. So get it out there where you can uh, remind yourself of what we're doing. This series, what is the gospel? I, I don't know about you, but maybe you grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. I was a church brat. And so I heard the gospel all my life. But can I tell you hang on for just a little bit? Do you really know what the gospel is? You know, I was in I was with a group of pastors just a few months ago and one of the pastors said something like this, we're in a pastors and covenant group. By the way, there's some really cool stuff going on in our city with pastors all over the region that are joining together saying I, I need you. I need your brother. And so pastors are kind of cross-pollinating just a safe place, not to talk doctrine or anything like that, but just to pastor each other. It's a pretty good deal, huh? So one of the guys says something like this. He says, you know, I believe the conversation kind of turned toward unity, which I'm for unity. Are you for unity? It's a good thing. And he said, I believe that, that if if every one of us pastors in this circle, there was about a 10 of us or so, he said, if every one of us really believed and shared the gospel, the result would be unity. And my first response was, amen. But I couldn't really say it. It got, I didn't get it out because I had a check in my spirit. I said, God, what is that all about? I believe in unity. I believe in the gospel. I believe in what your church and what you're doing in a larger way. I believe in the kingdom. I believe all these things. And so I kind of wrestled with that for a little bit. And the Lord, a couple of days later, the Lord said to me, Steve, I've got an assignment for you. The Lord ever give you an assignment? He said, here's your assignment. I want you to go to every pastor that was in that circle one-to-one. And I want you to take them to coffee. You buy the coffee. And I want you to ask them one question. And that one question is this, what is the gospel to you? He said, because, listen, for unity to come, there's got to be unity in what the gospel is. See, see, I think that's the question. I think it's a major, major question. How many of you know it really doesn't get any deeper than the gospel? It doesn't get any deeper than Jesus is Lord, okay? And so I, I was thinking, okay, so what, what does that look like? And so I'm currently in the middle of this assignment, and I will not give you the report just yet because it's a sample size, but it's interesting. One of the things the Lord said to me, he said, listen, Steve, I want you to ask the question, but you don't get to lead the witness. You don't get to say anything unless they ask you back, what do you think the gospel is? because I want you to really hear people's hearts. I want you to really understand what's going on. Now, why does that matter? Why is that important? Why do you think I had a pause? Well, I'm glad you asked. I was reading in the book of Galatians, where I usually spend a lot of regular time, and I noticed that this is Paul's first letter that he writes to the people in a region called Galatia, and it's, it's less than 20 years after the cross. And already, something really, really terrible has happened to the gospel. Paul uses words like this. He says, the precious gospel has been distorted. It's been perverted. What you're preaching is a Different gospel. Can I tell you that if a gospel is not about good news, it's not a gospel. Okay? Say that again. If the gospel is not about good news, it's not the gospel. And I think a lot of times we think, well, you know, we're pretty close, you know, we get there. But can I tell you what? If if the gospel does not carry a radical grace that makes you go, oh my gosh, I could never do that. That couldn't be possible. Only God could do that. If it doesn't have that quality to it, it's not the gospel. If it's something that we can do in our own strength, it's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. The gospel is oozing with the grace and the empowering presence of God to carry out what only he can do. The apostle Paul knew that. The apostle Paul would write stuff like, he said, you know what, man, don't, don't get to a place where you are uh, led astray from the simplicity of pure devotion in Christ. A lot of times we, we, we try to figure things out in our own strength, Now, what is the gospel? Can I say that the gospel, the gospel outside of the kingdom of God makes very little sense. Let me unpack that a little bit. See, Jesus' primary message was the kingdom of God. It's a big message. Jesus is Lord of all. But his, his primary method was the gospel, was grace. Grace is within the larger context of the gospel. Let me say it this way. If your gospel is anything short of Jesus, you've got the wrong gospel. See, see the gospel really in its very essence is Jesus plus nothing. Okay? Let's say that together. Jesus plus nothing. It feels pretty good, doesn't it? But I'm telling you what, we are so taken by what Paul would call the elemental principles of the world that just gravitationally pull us away to try harder, to work more, to perform better, to make something happen that we lose sight of Jesus plus nothing. And that's what Paul is saying to the Galatians Golly, you guys are jacked up. How did you get so far away from the Spirit leading you to Jesus to trying to work it out in your flesh and your own ability? Right? Is that not our, our same dilemma 2,000 years removed? Is to have this kind of mixture of grace that gets us saved, but then we got to work pretty hard to make things work out. Can I, give you, can I give you some relief this morning? Just relax. Just rest. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Because it really is not about anything we can do. It's about him living his life through us. That's the good news. The good news is, is, is a radical, radical word. It's, it's Uh, It's this opposite direction of elemental principles, as Paul called them, or as we have often talked about, living out of the tree of knowledge. There's a way that seems right to us, but it always ends in death. See, the the way that to full life is the gospel. This morning, I want to talk to you about the simplicity of the gospel. We'll look at several aspects of the gospel. Today, I want to talk about the simplicity of the gospel, gospel. Um the, the early church was uh, birthed in this context, okay? Rome, the Roman Empire rules the world. The Roman Empire has between 70 and 100 million people, okay? Of that group, more than 50% of the people were slaves, Let that that sink in your mind. 50 million people are slaves. That means they're illiterate. They can't read, they can't write. They don't understand a lot of high lofty theology, okay? So they need something very simple that will make sense that they can receive, that the children can receive, that everybody can receive and they can pass it along because God is after our participation. Okay, he wants to activate us in such a way that it becomes a generational thing. We pass it on generation to generation to generation. But there's gotta be a simplicity to the gospel. So today I'm gonna give you two things that are kind of the the essence of the gospel as the early church understood it. Two prophetic acts, if you will. Two object lessons, two sacraments. The word sacrament, just think sacred moment. It's an encounter with God. And those two sacraments that most churches would agree on, some of them have more, are the Lord's Supper and water baptism. You know, it's amazing how the things uh, that are so simple can become almost blasé to us today. Can I tell you, those are the very core things of our ancient faith. There are people all over the globe that will celebrate the Lord's table today. There are people that will celebrate water baptism. And I wanna to talk to you a little bit about that because in those things contain the very essence of what the gospel is. So let's unpack that just, just a little bit. Uh, communion, you, you might've grown up learning all different kinds of names for communion. Paul writes about what he, what. The NIV calls the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you have a copy of your scriptures, turn there with me. We don't have slides for that particular passage today. But in 1 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 20, this is the first um, writing about the Lord's table, anywhere in scripture, anywhere uh, that, that is known of. Paul writes it. He, he writes it. And so he's writing to the church in Corinth. And here's what he says uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 20. He says, so then when you come together, is it not for the Lord's supper you eat? Stop a second. Paul is saying, we all know that the central thing that we do when we come together is remember what Jesus did for us. We eat this supper. They would actually have a meal and then they would uh, celebrate the memory of what Jesus did. Just common things. You have have a little cup here. It was probably a better deal than what we got here. This is like a a little uh, snack or some sort, but... But, you know, a styrofoam snack here. But, but, but go with me, okay? They, the bread and the wine, common elements of the day. But people had, every time they would come together, they would remember what Jesus had done for them and who he was to them. He says, but, but listen to the context. This is just, this is just uh, less than 20 years away, or, or actually this is a, a little more than 20 years. And he says... When you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, another one even gets drunk. That's an interesting church meal, isn't it? He says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? I want you to hear this. Over half the people in the Roman Empire are slaves. They don't have anything. He's talking to a people that, uh, the haves and the have-nots, he's saying, listen, one of the things that really marks us as followers of Jesus is that we're a generous people, that we're a loving people, that we include the stranger, the person who's on the outside. He said, what are you guys doing? Hoarding stuff, getting drunk, all this stuff. Eat at home. When we come together, everybody gets to partake in this. How many of you you grew up? This is a little rabbit, but I'll, I'll throw it out. Grew up uh, being taught that, that communion is, is only for this select group of The scripture's saying this thing, the table is open for those who will say, Jesus is Lord, period. It is. And he goes on, he says, now he says, Don't Humiliate each other. What shall I say to you? Should I praise you? Certainly not, not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Everybody just take out your little bread here. This is a participatory faith, church. He took out, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, the chalice, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. And whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat and drink the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without discerning the body of Christ eats and drinks judgment upon themselves. Let me ask the question, what, what what is partaking in an unworthy manner? Can I tell you in context what it is? It's being greedy with your food and, and your wine. It's, it's um, shaming the poor. It's bringing division to the church. That's what's going on in this in this very thing. And he goes on in verse 33 he says, "So then brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. See See, this cup, this bread, it, it really is. It's, it's a picture about receiving again, the sacrificial love, the forgiveness, the salvation of Jesus. When we take this in, just take it in. Take it in. You're taking in the body of Jesus. Jesus said, man, unless you eat my flesh, you have none of me. He said, I want you to be one with me. I want want you to to take me in. Remember my goodness. Like the Paschal lamb that every family had and they filled themselves up and they were full. They had no leftovers. They took in all of the lamb. He said, take the lamb in, take the lamb in. Receive, receive. But it's also about remembering. He says, remember in remembrance of me, remember me. Oh, let's think like of this. It's remembering. Some of us are, are busted up in relationship. Some of us have shamed one another or others on the outside. I say, no, no, let's remember. We're a body. We are one. We're the body of Christ. We embody Jesus everywhere we go. Let's be remembered. Let's come back together, church. Amen. Let's 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 love in the same way he loved. It's remembering, coming into union, coming into oneness, both this way with Christ and this way with one another. It's the body of Christ. But it's also, it's, it's, it's also the foretaste of the wedding supper of the Lamb. How many of you know that uh, when you say yes to Jesus, You have entered into the bride of Christ. Got one amen. Anybody else excited about that? We are part of the bride of Christ, the co-sovereign ruler of the universe. We enter into that relationship. We enter into the very triune relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we get to enter into that as the bride of Christ. We have a seat at the table. We are seated in heavenly places. We have the power of God, not only available to us, but living in and through us. And when we take of the cup, we remember there's gonna be one day where every tribe and tongue will come together in chorus to the glory of God. But guess what? Now is the foretaste to start doing it now. Start doing it now. And so let's receive the the blood of Jesus, the new covenant blood of Jesus. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you that you are Lord. Thank you that you are my Lord, that you're my savior. See, that's participation. That's what the early church did when they came together. It's also a time to be done regularly where we re-up. How many are married here? Okay, about 50%. Some of y'all are not sure, I, I, I see. Uh, some of you are married and, and I, I, you know, it's okay to raise your hand. How many, how many of you know it's a, it's a good idea to tell your spouse, I sure love you, regularly, not just at the altar when you said, I do, I do, I still do, regularly, re-upping. When we come to the Lord's table, that's what it is. That's what it's about. We come together to say, Lord, thank you. It reminds us of who we are, and it reminds us of whose we are. But you know, there's another, another uh, sacred moment, another uh, participation, another act, uh, pro, uh, prophetic act that, that the early church did, and that is water baptism. You know, I, I know a lot. A lot. Uh, uh, I, I grew up in a denomination where baptism was pretty important, but I think because some some denominations overemphasize it to the point of saying unless you are water baptized, you ain't gonna make it into the pearly gates gotta tell you, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the early church put a premium on water baptism that I don't think the church in America does today, okay? In, in the early church, they didn't have a walk the aisle and uh, say a prayer and you're saved and if you wanna get baptized, you can or not. That wasn't the way it was done. You realize that? Repentance most often happened in the water as people make confession that Jesus is my Lord. You know, I was in uh, Serbia a number of years ago and I was with uh, my good friend, one of my spiritual fathers, Robert Mearns, and, and uh, we were traveling. I'd never been to Serbia and myself and two other guys uh, from uh, the United States. And so we, we get to Novisad. Uh, and he just kind of dumps us off. He says, hey, listen, these guys probably need some prophetic words and ministry and go get them. And I'm thinking, what? I mean, you, you know, okay. And so, uh, and then he goes to Belgrade. And so he says, and, and so meet, meet me uh, in um, Austria in a few days. <laughs> okay, all right. So here we are. And you ever been in a place where you know nobody and you're feeling very uncomfortable and you're just hoping that something familiar Will show up. Anybody? We've all been there, right? And so I'm with this. I'm with this guy from Virginia and this guy from um, North North Carolina. And um, you know, none of us extremely prophetic. You know, so we're supposed to just get up and do the stuff, You know, we're like we don't know anybody. And as I walk in, I hear this loud, familiar voice. Now I know nobody in Serbia except one guy, Dushan, Dushan, big Dushan walks in and I'm thinking, I've only met this guy one time in Wimberley, Texas and Dushan comes in, Steve, and he hugs me and picks me up off the ground, you know, a couple of four times, you know, I'm like, okay. And so, but there's something in me that went, wow, God, you, you really do see me. This is going to be all right. And I remember Dushan telling a story while we were there. It was before we were going to do the evening service. He had a class. he was teaching a a school, and he was telling about water baptism. And um, no, I, I take it back. Actually, it was a different different setting than that. He was talking. We were talking about the size of his congregation. I said, "Well, how many do you have in your?" in your church and I'm looking around and I see a lot of people and he says, we have 20. I said, 20, I'm counting about 60 here. He says, we have 20. I said, what, what do you mean? You know, so we had this, he said, here's how it works in Serbia. Until a person is water baptized, they're no threat to the government. Nobody checks them out and they're really not even considered a part of the church until they publicly declare Jesus is my law, my lord. They're not just people that are on the peripheral anymore just kind of, you know, dipping their toe in. And I'll never forget that because I thought, you know what? There's something about stepping in and saying, "Jesus, I'm making this announcement to heaven that Jesus is my lord. I'm making this announcement to the church, I'm all in. I'm part of the body of Christ, the, the bride of Christ. I'm making an announcement to the devil that you can stay in hell because I'm finished with you. I don't belong to you at all. And I'm making a, an announcement to all of my family, my friends, my people that are looking on that I'm burying my old man in the water, deep in the water. We're burying him and I'm raised to a new life in Christ. You know, in just a few minutes, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna go out there and there's gonna be a group of people that are gonna tell not only you, not only the world, but the very angels in heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the demons of darkness. I belong to Jesus. And there's some here that you might say, well, you know, I've never done that, but I never saw I need to do that. Ask the Lord what he wants for you. Because can I, can I tell you ahead of time, he wants a whole heart. He wants you all in. And so uh, a lot of times the very thing that keeps us from being fully free is that we just haven't buried that old man and he makes way too many appearances. You know, if, if you want to walk in freedom, a lot of times one of the greatest things is, is to, to cut off the old man, disattach him, bury him once and for all. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let me, let's look at a scripture here. We ought to probably ought to read the Bible here and make this official. Uh, let's look at, at Romans chapter six. Romans six. I, gosh, what a powerful, powerful passage. The whole deal. Paul's saying, you guys don't have a clue of the power that you have. You have no idea what it means to be co-crucified with Christ, to be co-resurrected with Christ, to bury your old man. Listen to what he says. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too will be raised from the dead to the glory of the Father to a new life. Uh, we, we had a, a class, uh, for a, kind of a pre-baptism class earlier this morning and I said, you know, the truth is Christian life is really not that difficult. It's really not that hard. It's impossible. It's beyond hard. It's beyond difficult, it's impossible. How many of you would testify to that? Trying to live the Christian life in my own strength, on my own is impossible. It's impossible, you know why it's impossible? Because it's that perverted, uh, distorted, different gospel that Paul's talking about. Trying to do it in my own strength with a Jesus Band-Aid is not the gospel. Trying to be a good person, throwing a five in the plate, doing some good deeds is not the gospel. The gospel is total surrender and saying, Jesus, if you don't come through, some of you know exactly what I'm going to say. I'm not going to make it. I can't make it if you don't come through. And at that point, it releases his grace. See, see it's not, we, we don't even have the ability to choose Jesus. He reveals himself to us, and in response to his revelation, we shift our whole way of thinking. He, we don't even change our own way of thinking. He changed. It's his kindness that leads us to repent, to change our way of thinking. All we do is just, I'll have some more, please. That's all we do. That's the Christian life. Yes, I'll take some more. Thank you, sir. That's it. If you're here this morning and you'd say, oh, I just need some more. I need, I need some. I've been trying to do this on my own. And... Uh, and not worked out so good. Can I tell you what? If you'll come to him and humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender all. Do you remember that old song? I grew up in a church that we sang it regularly. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, daily live, I surrender all. How many of you have just really thought about those words in the context of the new covenant, in the context of the spirit-filled life? See, that's, that's what God's saying. Surrender all, surrender all. I have a, um, the, same, the same guy who dumped me off in uh, Serbia, uh, Robert Murns. He, he used to say this to me. He said, Steve, doing it is doing it. I'd go, okay, that's good, Robert. He, he goes, no, no, you don't understand. Talking about it is not doing, doing it. Preaching it is not doing it. Praying about it is not doing it. Doing it is doing it. And I think, I think that there's some of us here today that we're, we're jammed full with a lot of understanding in the Lord's word to us today is doing it is doing it. What, what is it that he's saying? Step into it, surrender into it. That's doing it. There's, there's some of you that here today, the Lord wants to heal, but you've got to get out of your seat and, and say, I'll take some more please, okay? And so th- this morning, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna invite our uh, folks that are gonna be water baptized to, to go and change there in the back rooms. I'm gonna ask our worship team to, to go ahead and make your way forward. And I, I just wanna say that sometimes we make things much, much more difficult than they are. How many, how many of you know that Jesus has already finished the hard work He's already done the heavy lifting. God was in Christ reconciling the entire cosmos. Not counting man's sins against them. That's really, really good news. We don't have to get cleaned up, get worked up. All we have to do is say, I receive your love. That's right. I think that's a strong amen right there. Doing it is doing it. What's God telling you you need to do today? I want to just pray for us and our team will come up. I want to invite our worship team, I mean our, our prayer teams to come forward. And if, if, as the Lord has spoken to you today, I encourage you, to step into what God is speaking for you, to you. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you that it's your kindness, Lord, that it gives us the capacity to repent and to, to embrace you, to take sides with you. Father, we thank you that your power is present for healing, for freedom, deliverance, for salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, As Lord and Savior, I invite you to come forward and to make that acknowledgement, to make that proclamation. If you're here this morning and you've, Lord, you, you know you need to be water baptized. I encourage you to step into that this morning. So Lord, we just say, apart from you, God, we can do nothing. We receive you and we say we'll have some more. In Jesus' name.